welcome listeners to another episode buyer bixer dog stock podcast on an important topic healthy diet and healthy planet i am sanjay founder and ceo buyer bixer solutions diet plays the most essential role in maintaining good health and also in the prevention of various non communicable diseases on the other hand global climate is under severe threat food systems do play a pivotal role in the health of our planet these systems also have the potential to prevent reduce and minimize or even aggravate and the damaging effects of global warming could be enormous on our environment and climate therefore the present objective is to produce and provide a healthy diet to our growing population whilst maintaining a healthy planet this is a humongous challenge if we consider the following facts and the statistics are alarming and frightening too under consumption and over consumption of food is detrimental to health and a leading cause of health burden presently 88% of the countries are facing either two or three forms of malnutrition 2 billion people lack key nutrients like iron and vitamin a 155 million children are stunted 52 million children are wasted while 41 million children are overweight in adults over 2 billion are either overweight or obese on the other hand there are challenges of high emission of greenhouse gases global warming increase in droughts straining our water resources and resulting in 50% loss in crop harvest hence there is an urgent need for producing and consuming a healthy diet in ways which are healthy to our planet as well to discuss these important issues we have dr b ravinder reddy a gastrointestinal surgeon at care super speciality hospital and transplant center banjara hills hyderabad india dr reddy trained in india and in the united kingdom after practicing in the uk for over a decade he returned to india he has a passionate interest in clinical nutrition and is the president of indian society of parental and enteral nutrition and president of parental and enteral nutrition society of asia headquartered in bangkok thailand he was a panel member of world health organization's recommendations for nutritional interventions in hospitalized patients in southeast asia he has over 15 peer reviewed publications in international and national journals and has contributed six different chapters in the medical books and also the editor of book the importance of nutrition as an integral part of disease management published by kagar switzerland a highly reputed academic publisher of scientific and medical journals so thank you and it's a, our proud privilege to welcome dr ravinder reddy today to help us understand the gravity of this challenge and the ways to address it thank you very much dr ravinder reddy and welcome again thank you thank you mr sanjay deshpande and it's an absolute pleasure to be on your wonderful platform of biorbexer to share my thoughts on healthy diet and healthy planet thank you sir so to start can you please tell us what is a healthy diet yeah i mean defining a healthy diet is both very difficult and at the same time very essential i say it is very difficult because of the different dietary preferences and practices across the world 
and in different age groups, right from the young to the old and to the infirm or sick. Differences in males and females, as well as in pregnant and those who are lactating. And the presence of coexisting diseases makes a humongous difference in defining what is a healthy diet. And also at the same time, the physical activity levels, most important, the different cultures across the globe make this a very humongous challenge. However, a broad definition perhaps is that where everybody will agree or all the authorities in the world will agree is that a healthy diet is the one that optimizes health. Now, that begs the question of what is health? WHO defines health as a state of complete physical, mental, social well-being and not just mere absence of disease. So in other words, to extrapolate this definition, a healthy diet is the one that uses various food products which are flexible but provide adequate macronutrients, micronutrients, which reduce diet-related disorders, especially the various non-communicable diseases such as diabetes and other metabolic disorders such as overweight, obesity, fatty liver, hyperlipidemias, cardiovascular disease, especially the ischemic heart disease, and also certain cancers like colorectal and others, and most importantly, malnutrition. So these are the things that make it very difficult. However, it is very essential to define a healthy diet because it helps in dietary assess assessment, counseling, and guidance, both to the general public, as well as to the patient visiting or admitted to hospitals and to the epidemiologist who gather data. This, in turn, will enhance the healthy dietary intake and also enable monitoring of the individual's intake, whilst easing day-to-day -day practice advice and laying emphasis on certain food groups, like the ones to avoid and, more important, ones to consume. There is a famous saying that says that we are what we eat, but to this we can also add saying that we are what we do not eat. Okay, so what is planet sustainability, doctor? Sustainability is an English term, but allow me to define sustainability by quoting the one from Stanford University. As you know, Stanford University, where you are presently, I suppose, uh, Stanford University has an excellent uh, portal called Stanford Earth. And they, they define sustainability as the ability to meet the requirements of people, their communities, and organization over long term. So extrapolating from this, we can also say that planet sustainability is protection and managing Earth's rather limited natural resources, Earth's ecosystems, climate, and atmosphere. So not only you and me, the present generation, but also a future generation will live a meaningful life without getting impacted by the heat waves, the severe Arctic-like cold temperatures which we see very commonly, especially in the Northern Hemisphere. And also, you must have read or seen on the news of the recent snowing in Sahara Desert. Can you believe yes. snowing in Sahara Desert? <laughs> it's, all because, it's all because of the changes to the climate. And also flash floods, as have, as have happened a couple of months ago, in um, one of the most developed European countries, such as Germany. And hurricanes, especially on the, the eastern seaboard of the U.S., even our own uh, coastal uh, areas, as well as storms and forest fires, both in California, in Australia, and other places. Now, the most critical issues challenging our planet sustainability are the greenhouse emissions and global warming, as we all know. These climate risks pose a clear and present danger to various infrastructures, and especially to the aging energy grids, which are spread throughout the world. And these challenges 
stem and arise from the way we depend and consume fossil fuels. And then equally deleterious are the ways in which we are currently managing our agriculture to produce food and or disuse or misuse of clean water. Therefore, for safety of humanity and prosperity, significant changes ought to be stringently practiced to achieve and maintain our planet sustainability, which if practiced, we will be able to achieve the Paris Climate Accord, which was reached in 2015, wherein most of the global uh, governments thought that they should limit the global warming below two degrees Celsius, or at least make an attempt to limit it to 1.5 degrees Celsius. Yeah, that's true. How is diet and nutrition related to planet's health, doctor? These are two different things, and we would like to know. Yeah, How so is this achieved or possible? Yeah, it's uh, on one hand, it looks very uh, unconvincing or very odd to say that, hey, what I eat, how is the planet self involved or environment involved? Uh, but then there is a direct correlation. And I'd like to start by actually quoting from a book which I read recently, written by an American author called Dan Saladino. The name of the book is Eating to Extinction. And I was rather surprised uh, to read in his book, which I quote, saying that once upon a time, humans consumed more than 6,000 plant species. More than 6,000 plant species. Wow. Uh -huh. And presently, we eat just nine of these plant species, very commonly. They are available, uh, other uh, plant species available, but very commonly, we eat just nine of these. The most okay. common of which are rice, wheat, and maize, which I think you also will agree, rice, wheat, and maize. Yeah, this, yeah, very much. <laughs> yeah. And this provides about 50% of all the calories. Now, to this rice, wheat, and maize, if we add other commonly consumed varieties, such as potato, barley, palm oil, which is one of the most commonly consumed in the world, at the same time, very, very unhealthy, more importantly, not sustainable for the earth, and also the sugar. And these, when combined, it accounts for about 75% of the calories that we as humans consume. Now, rice, we are a rice-eating nation in India, and we think only Indians eat rice, but it may surprise you that it's a staple diet for over 3 billion out of the 7 billion people on Earth. Wow. And talking of 7 billion, we are projected, or at least the experts project that the world's population will increase to 10 billion by 2050. Now, rice as a crop is a very water-intense uh, commodity and also responsible for one of the greenhouse gas emissions, which is methane. That's about 2 to 3%. And therefore, the food production, which I've taken about rice, wheat, and maize, along with the other products which I've just enumerated, food production is one of the largest causes of change in the global environment. So now it's not that surprising, isn't it? And agriculture uses about 40% of our planet's habitable land and is responsible for 30% of the greenhouse emissions. Whenever we hear greenhouse gas emissions, we think of only air conditions and the cars or the transport industry and so on and so forth. But then I was surprised when I came to know about this, that 30% of the greenhouse emissions were due to agriculture. And 70% of the freshwater, at least in India, is actually utilized for agriculture. I'm sorry, it's not 70%. I think it's about 90% of our available water we use it in India for agriculture. And what is surprising or what is tragic, Sanjay, is that in India, 40% of the post-harvest food is lost or wasted due to the poor infrastructure. And mind you, we are supposed to be 
very soon, probably in over a decade or 2030 or 2040, we will become the world's most populous nation. And with that still, our post-harvest food is lost or wasted, and thus increasing the burden on the food system directly and indirectly on the environment. Now, I also like to talk about meat or non-vegetarian food. Now, according to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Association, the global meat consumption increased by 60% and per capita consumption increased by 25%. From 2018, the figures were about 346 million tons were produced and it's going to increase by about 44% by 2030, which means in numbers, it will be about 453 million tons. Now, I would yes. like our listeners to also suggest that if you want to know more about this, there's an amazing site, website called the World Count. This actually tells us this website depicts the meat consumption in real time. It's a very fascinating portal. So meat consumption is unsustainable. I say unsustainable because this is due to the disproportionate usage of land, which accounts for about 77% of the agricultural land. And yet, it produces about just 17% of the global calorie consumption. Now, any businessman worth his or her salt will not agree when he or she is investing 77% and getting only 17% returns, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, by that definition, meat, consum meat production, consumption, and distribution is actually not sustainable. At the same time, it takes about two to four times more water to produce meat compared to the alternate proteins like lentils or legumes or even whole grains. And the present footprint for food consumption per person per day, this is about water, is, you know, we as medical students, we learned that we need about two to three liters of water at the most. And I thought maybe with our daily shower and washing clothes and everything, we perhaps need about maybe five liters or six liters. But I was surprised to know that the per a person usage is, is into thousands of liters. I'll just give an example. Wow. It's about 7,800 liters per person per day in USA, 6,300 liters per person per day in Italy. Now in India, it's not that much. Our food, water footprint is not that much. It's just about 980 liters. That is also quite high, actually, 980 liters. Let me explain this further. Now, when we make a cup of tea or coffee, which early in the morning, Sanjay, you must have had your cup of coffee. Yes. Probably about 120 ml of water to, you know, for a cup of, for a mug of coffee. And then you add your coffee powder and mix it and enjoy your morning joe. But then to make this one cup of coffee, it takes nearly about 123 liters directly and indirectly. And this takes into account not only the transport, but also the production, the water wastage, everything. So that's how this footprint is enumerated. So given India's population of 1.2 billion, and the water usage of 980 liters per person per day on an average. India accounts for about 12% of the world's water print. Water print. Can you imagine? Worlds, and we have only about 2% of the world's fresh water. China and India combined together. China and combined together, we have only 2% of the world's fresh water. So production of meat, livestock maintenance, one of the main drivers of environmental change, climate change, and biodiversity. And I would like to end the answer to this question by quoting a very well-known author, a very passionate environmental activist called Wendell Berry. And more importantly, he was actually a farmer. And he said, I quote, eating is inescapably an agricultural act. And how we eat determines to a considerable extent on how the world is used. 
So I think presently we're not using the world in a nice, safe, sustainable way. And that is why I hope I've convinced you of how diet and nutrition are related to the planet's health. Yeah, very nicely explained. I think it's, it's a valuable information. So you, we, you. you discussed about this climate changes and this needs, of course, global interventions by governments of different countries and interventions by intergovernmental panels as well. So how can I, I, as an individual, make a difference on the issue of climate change, especially in relation to the diet? An excellent question, a very pertinent question and a very apt question. Let me attempt to give a credible answer for this. Now, on an individual level, we one cannot change the nation's carbon print, as you rightly said. But by adhering to the guidance and tips provided by, there are many, many, many such organizations, but one of my favorite organizations is actually the World Wildlife Fund, the WWF Fund. And it says that every person should make an attempt to reduce his or her carbon footprint. And they actually come up with seven guidelines. And let me just enumerate. And it says that buy local farm products and food so that we limit the strains put on the transport. We, we limit the strains put on the uh, wastage because that if, if it's transported from elsewhere, it needs to be stored and we lose more than 30 to 40% as of just said. So buy local farm foods and products and eat more plants, especially seasonal food and variety. Don't stick on to saying that I would like to have only cabbage and cabbage and cabbage 24 hours by 7, 365 days a year. Instead, eat more plants, especially seasonal food and include a wide variety have a rainbow-colored diet and make responsible meat and seafood choices. I mean, when we say meat, India as a country is not much into beef eating, but then we do have our share of red meat in the form of lamb and goat. So we should make very responsible choices, both in seafood as well as in meat. And importantly, we need to cut wastage and recycle and avoid plastic and use reusable bags. And this significantly reduces our personal carbon footprint. If we have a small garden or a big garden, or we have we have an access to a good terrace, we can actually, or we should grow our own food if possible. And it's one of the big things now, at least in quite a few of the Indian cities or quite a few of the friends which I know of. And some products such as palm oil, I take palm oil because it's very commonly utilized even in India. And despite the fact that it is very high in saturated fats, more than... Uh, 70 to 80% of the palm oil is saturated fat. And palm oil is one of the few products which is not sustainable as far as planet's Earth, our planet Earth is concerned. So if we are buying a palm oil, then please look for, look for a certification called RSPO, which stands for Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil. That means this particular palm oil was grown on a land which was not made after deforesting uh, the forests but it was there produced already on an agricultural land. And most importantly, Sanjay, I think all of us, or at least those who have access to smartphones and computers, laptops, or those who are internet savvy, we should calculate our own carbon footprint. That is one mm -hmm. way one can reduce it. Right? And it's very easy to do so. And, uh, and recently I calculated mine and I was really sort of amazed and uh, guilty 
because my carbon footprint is quite high. And we can get this on Google Play Store or any of those. There are many, many such uh, apps. But one such app, which I found to be very user-friendly, was Carbon Footprint Calculator. Very simple. Okay. So with such practices, we do encourage directly as well as indirectly a consumption of a diet, which is not only healthy for us as humans, but also on the planet which we live, and that is our wonderful Earth. And the authorities or the environmental scientists, they have a new term for it, which I actually like it. They call it as the planetary diet. If we follow planetary diet, then perhaps on an individual level, we can make a big difference in global warming or curtailing global warming. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So have there been any studies to correlate the role of food that we consume and its effects on a global climate. If you could tell us some brief uh, information on this. Yeah, there are many uh, studies, but let me just allude to what the biggest one. In 2019, the EAT Lancet, E-A-T, in capital letters and Lancet. As you know, Lancet is one of the most highly sought-after journals and uh, with an impact factor of more than 79 or something like that. One of the most prestigious journals and one of the oldest, I think somewhere in 1800s it was started. So, Eat Lancet Commission on Food, Planet, and Health undertook a detailed study and analysis of diet and environment. And this commission comprised of not one or two, but 37 experts from 16 different countries from various fields, such as uh, the environment, ecology, nutrition, agriculture, and various other scientific disciplines. And they had an extensive review of literature, framed a practical, simple, basic, healthy diet composed of whole foods, Whilst advocating environmental limits for diet, land use, freshwater usage, nitrogen phosphorus recycling, carbon emissions, and loss of biodiversity. And the result was the publication of this Eat Lancet report. It is freely available on the net to the, to the listener. And this, I think, is one of the biggest landmark reports that advised on an urgent global shift towards consumption of healthy diets, as well as improvement in food product production practices for the benefit of both humans as well as anyone. The other one was published in 2018 and again in 2020 by the Science Journal, which is by the American Association for Advancement of Science. It publishes prestigious journals in science and other related science-related journals. And they published many articles related to meat consumption, health, environment, and global food systems, which are deleterious to climate change. And in last Last year, in August 2021, the very world-famous Nature Publication Group, in its journal, Nature Food, an excellent journal, published a very magnificent article advocating small shifts in the food choices that result in significant benefits for both humans as well as planets. And again in November 2021, the American Heart Association, which perhaps is the to-go for the whole the heart health of the whole world. The American Heart Association in its journal circulation published an evidence-based 2021 dietary guidelines to improve cardiovascular health. So we have many such publications and all of them are peer-reviewed and extremely evidence-based. Okay, thank you. Thank Lastly, we did, can we discuss some practice points which are practical and not too difficult to implement in order to achieve good health while sustaining our planet's health as well. That would be a nice uh, message for our listeners. Yes, thank you. I think, yeah. So the research of Eat Lancet Commission, which I just alluded to, have advocated a planetary healthy diet, which is both nutritional 
as well as sustainable for our planet. The diet is actually composed mainly of plant-based diet, but I'm not asking everyone to become a vegan or a vegetarian because small amounts of meat or fish are also allowed. The so-called flexitarian diet, some of you all may know the word flexitarian means a person who eats plant-based diets very often and occasionally has meat. That's what this Eat Lancet Commission advocates a flexitarian diet to be consumed on a daily basis, which provides about, their meal plan provides about 2,500 calories. So it comprises about 300 grams of vegetables, that is about 100 grams of vegetables per meal. We eat three meals a day, 300 grams of vegetables, 232 or two, about 230 grams of whole grains, right? And 200 grams of fruit. A word of caution about whole grains, it is just whole grains. I would like our listeners not to get confused by the five grain or a multigrain one. Just take the whole grain one. So 300 grams of vegetables, 230 grams of whole grains, 200 grams of fruits. This together comprises nearly over 700 grams between fruits, whole grains and fruits. And in addition, we can have 250 grams of dairy in the form of dairy products or dairy itself and 125 grams of plant protein and 85 grams of animal protein. It can come from red meat or white meat or fish, whichever your palate actually prefers. At the same time, just 50% of the starchy vegetables, you know, starchy vegetables like potatoes, green peas, and beans, they're rich in starch. So this panel does not prevent us from having starchy vegetables, but advocates to limit the starchy vegetables. So in other words, eat plenty of vegetables, fruits, and different varieties. Choose whole grains over refined grains. Choose healthy sources of protein, mostly from legumes and nuts, and limit fish and seafood. Whereas if you're having milk and dairy products, choose low-fat or fat-free dairy products instead of full-fat dairy products. For chicken or poultry or lamb or goat, Choose lean cuts and avoid processed meat. Even though in India we consume less of processed meats, but it's more common, especially in pizzas and burgers. So and it's at the same time, use liquid plant oils, that is an oil which is liquid, not semi-solid or solid at room temperature. So liquid plant oil, uh, which are tropical oils. But some of the tropical oils, such as coconut and palm oil, are very rich, more than 70 to 80 percent saturated fat, and they are the ones which are not liquid at room temperature. So we need to avoid at the same time, avoid animal fats like butter and partially hydrogenated oils and choose minimally processed foods and avoid completely ultra processed foods like like a cookie is a completely ultra processed food maybe you can have it one or two on your birthday right <laughs> and minimize foods and beverages with added sugars and totally minimize salt so to my patients i actually advise three in one i say you have those in the hab habit of eating rice have black rice or brown rice or red rice or wild rice or one is to three that is one cup of rice three cups of vegetables or have a chapati made up of one whole wheat and one chapati and three cups of vegetables so this is i know this is not as easy because changing eating behavior is quite difficult and attempts by many uh, scientists have always faced criticism but i'm glad that uh, you and your colleague at biorbexer are initiating such conversation this message I'm sure we'll percolate uh, with the facts and induce changes to improve our health and that of our planet. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. <clears throat> thank you, Dr. Ravinder Reddy, for highlighting, firstly, the gravity and enormous risks associated with this multifaceted issue and the solutions as well. That's important. So as I see, it's not just the governments. I'm sure that the collaborative uh, efforts are already happening at the government level, but 
as I perceive, we need to have a much greater awareness and education to enable us rethink what and how we eat and the way we produce it. So objective of today's podcast is exactly the same. Listeners, actually, we need to move out of our comfort zone and make few changes in our diets. This will certainly help us support global movement to achieve UN sustainable development goals and secure our future and even that of the next generation. So if you have liked this podcast, like it, share it and follow Bayerbexer website www.bayerbexer.com and our LinkedIn page and Facebook page to remain updated about our future podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ravinder Reddy and thank you, listeners.